From Breaking Bad to Calling Soul, agents led by Son of Call, Oh Game of Thrones, who's the next to die? House of Cards is full of lies, Supergirl just flew on by. We're chillin', watching Netflix, how much time's gone by? We're talking TV, from suits to supernatural. Talking TV, Blacklist and the Rebels. Sherlock's Big Bang with Orphan Black. True Detective bombed at second crack. The Walking Dead, Arrow and the Flash. Get into Geek, this is Marvel TV, we are talking some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and The Gifted. My name is Mitch, joining me as always, Captain Marvel of Get Into Geek, Matty Gibson. Hello. If you are joining us for the first time, uh, this is Marvel TV. It's just basically, you know, it's a nice way for us to get on the small screen Marvel stuff, Matty, and just have like an avenue, a little outlet for us to talk about our uh, our Marvel love of all things TV. And one show, well, both of these shows are wrapping up, you know, obviously Gifted has already. We're doing a bit of a rewatch, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D currently airing its uh, final episodes uh, around the world. But over the next sort of 6 to 12 months, we're going to start getting a lot of Marvel TV content, D- Disney Plus-wise. So uh, we're going to be running out of things to talk about, and then all of a sudden we're going to have too much to talk about. <laughs> and so we need a place to contain it, basically, you and I. That's fine with me. I'm I'm fanging for one. I think WandaVision is the top of my list. That's For me, that's the most exciting one. Yeah, I, I've, I'm slowly getting more and more excited about it. I think what's holding me back is that we kind of know next to nothing about it, which kind of makes it a little bit more exciting as well. But for me, I think it's just, oh, I don't know, maybe the carryover from Endgame. It feels like it is the natural next step based on the way that movie ended. I'm kind mm. of all about Falcon and Winter Soldier at the moment. Uh... I don't know what it is, but... um. Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, that's just that's get that's getting me. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's my yeah. Captain America love. Maybe it's the fact that it's just it's Steve Rogers, it's Chris Evans, and he'll have nothing to do with the show. Um, <laughs> but, uh, either way, the future's bright. And then we got Loki thrown in there. We're gonna have all kinds of other stuff to talk about. So yeah, yeah. right now, let's get uh, we're gonna get into some gifted, which you love. Uh, but as we do each and every week on the show, we're gonna save that until the end. Right now, let's get into a little bit of Agents of Shield. <laughs> Code Yellow, Episode 4. We're actually talking about both Episode uh, 4s of their respective seasons uh, on today's show, but uh, Season 6, Episode 4 of S.H.I.E.L.D. Code Yellow uh, is the uh, is the name of the ep, and it all starts with our little mate, Deke, uh, who, you know, now that I'm thinking we're watching Season 6, I don't know whether he's around in Season 7, but the idea for me that maybe he is, that he came into it as like this nothing side character at the start of Season 5, and then come the end of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s run, he'll potentially be there for a little bit under 50% of the entire series, which is kind of crazy, but he is fun. Like, I know that, you know, we had our problems with the way that, you know, Season 5 ran a little bit last season, and sort of that character's injection, and then even the fact that his place come the end, you were the one that told me that behind the scenes, they kept him around so long because the actors, uh, his fellow castmates, and the rest of the crew and all that, and the showrunners, loved the actor as a person. They're like, we've got to keep this guy around. So they kind of scripted the story to suit the actor, which I don't like 
in any facet of you know entertainment, <laughs> sport, or anything. You don't keep someone around if they can't play footy. You don't keep someone around if they don't suit the story. No act is bigger than the story type thing. But I kind of like it. I actually did really get into um, the the pre-credit thing of this uh, of this episode where he's got this VR company, or well, not even a VR company, but like a future technology company. He's developing VR. Everything's based off his experiences, both living in the future and working with Shield. And to the point where just before we cut to credits, he does this fourth wall break it's like where do you get your ideas and then he just to the cool sort of like beat music stares down the camera to like yeah i'm deke motherfucker (laughs) and it was kind of so cheesy that i loved it and i just wanted to get all that love out now because i don't know how you're gonna feel um but all cards on the table um it started off well and before we get too much more into it i actually really like this episode it was weird like just when you (laughs) thought Like, last week we had, like, an alien bar casino with, like, you know, Gemma and Daisy getting high under a bar and a tape. Just when you thought this show, like, couldn't get weirder, it gives you code yellow. Like, (laughs) it was so weird, but I was kind of about it for the most part. Like, it was fun. It was stupid. There's a lot of in-jokes. And it kind of, it kind of does screw with, the the history of the show but at the end of the day i didn't really care because it was fun yeah like the fact that he's essentially he's recreating the framework like the framework was the big bad of the end of what season four and it was gonna like end the world and now he's like in an la tech startup um with like a futuristic version of the framework and everyone's like yeah cool yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was fine for the joke. Like it was, you know, it was fine yeah. for the joke. Sequoia is obviously the standout um, of the mm. entire episode, and I don't know whether you realise that's actually Marissa Tancherowen. That's one of the like executive producer oh. writer um, chick. Really? Yeah. So she's um, that's she's married to Jed Whedon, so she's like Joss Whedon's sister-in-law, um, who she actually uh, did a couple of episodes of Dollhouse back in the day as well. She she wrote on Dollhouse. And uh, did a couple of episodes as a doll um, back then. Um, so she's always, you know, did, did a little bit of acting here and there. So I think she was the perfect choice for Sequoia. Wow, I had no idea. And that actually makes a bit more sense come the end of the episode where they give her the entire sort of epilogue of the uh, of, of the ep and give her like, what, five minutes to shine, uh, you know, all done in portrait mode on uh, Sequoia, did you say, her, uh, her phone, her yeah. Insta story, essentially. So... Although, oh, that's cool. Although um, the, the bit I didn't understand was, like, that ending was super, super fun, but, like, she basically outed that dude as an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I can't keep up with this show. Is that a good thing or a bad thing now? Yeah, like, and the fact that, like, when, you know, we, we introduced to him when he's obviously a bit of a mole, you know, like, he's he's playing off being this, you know, young upstart entrepreneur guy that's working for Deke, and then when he reveals himself as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and he's like, no, I was playing dumb the whole time, and I'm serious, and I'm a good agent, blah, 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 and then come the end where he's, like, drinking Mai Tais, and he's like, yeah, what up, Instafam, and all this other stuff, and I'm like, ah, oh, I get we're having a bit of, you know, we're having a bit of fun in that final couple of minutes where it's all done on her Insta story, but I just felt like that was a break away from what that character was and what those characters would be, especially since the rebuild, like Max trying to restart this, everyone else around him is trying to upstart S.H.I.E.L.D. again, they've been trying to do this for six years now and get it back to its former glory, but still be in secret, and I know, again, we, we speak about this every single podcast on Marvel TV, the fact that S.H.I.E.L.D. is... Oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is so far away from the MCU, as much as they want to be tied to it, they're not. 
And, you know, again, this whole show was built off the fact that Coulson was back from the dead and he wasn't really dead, but they told the Avengers because they would never be able to handle the fact that he was alive. It was a lie to motivate them and they can never find out. But he's just getting around everywhere around the world, uncovered, unmasked, like everyone else knows that he's alive, presumably except for the six main Avengers from the first film. And S.H.I.E.L.D.'s done. As of Captain America Winter Soldier, S.H.I.E.L.D. is done. It's dead. It's rotting. It was a former thing. Except in the show, it's thriving and people are talking about it on TV and the government keep talking about it, the news people keep talking about it, the courts are talking about it, trying to stop it from re-emerging because it's a corrupt system and look at what it did and blah, 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 blah. And then now, yeah, they're trying to rebuild it in, in this awful little dungeon of a warehouse of a, of a, of a setup and... Then you've got these guys that are going out on Insta and broadcast themselves. And again, it's such a tiny little thing in a mm. fun moment of the show. But it, you're right; it does sort of sit back and hang on. Who are they, and what are they about? If if this gets to happen, and I know we should just be laughing about it. We should almost see it as like a fan film edition, you know, fan fiction part uh, end to this episode. But it wasn't. You know, it fit what happened to the rest of the story with Sequoia. So you've got to sort of also look at it as having really happened. Uh, I don't know. It was it was it was weird. Like you said. You're about it, but it's weird. Yeah, because obviously there was um, what was it? old old mate um, uh, maybe the the old um, head of Shield, you know, that Coulson stepped down for the guy that started wearing the armor and stuff. Who was that guy? That was season three or season four. Uh, yeah, I want to say three, four. I can't exactly remember what his name was. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, like wannabe Captain America, basically. He's like Captain Shield. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and he was like, yo, we need a, we need a face of, for the, for shield to get our rep back and blah, blah, blah. And I can never Mm. remember sort of from a political standpoint and a publicity standpoint, sort of what happened after that. But then I remember before we found the, the lighthouse, when sort of, we came back from the future last season, they were all on the run. Like, you know, they were hiding out from the cops in the, in that Remember, there was the, um, the combi van that we were hiding in from the cops cause we were wanted. And so, yeah, I can, and it's like, how are we recruiting again? And, and yeah, I can, I can never remember like whether it's good or bad to be a shield for people to know you're a shield agent or not. Yeah, and I th- I think you know while I don't need the movies to address it, uh, I'm happy for the for the show to do it. I would like to see that as yeah, like outside of um uh, you know General Mustache that uh, that died you know at the end of what the not last season the season before you know that helped destroy the um destroy the world um you know where he was like no Shield's a piece of shit but then he would also like them then he'd go back to thinking that they were a bad organization and all that. I I want to see like th- that would be a big thing like Shield was his secret agency but i would like to know what yeah what people think about it like mm. the fact that it is so heavily tied to the likes of of your cap and your iron man and all that sort of stuff i want to know what people how people view it that okay it was bad half of it was corrupt half of them were these evil nazis from world war Two. but we're done with that now they've been exposed well they've left shield shields in, in tatters the only people that are still shield are good people hydra are just being hydra and we're trying to stop them so are people getting behind them do people trust them because we only get told by the same group of people throughout the last couple of seasons that yeah, we're not trusting them. Again, outside of that, we need a face for S.H.I.E.L.D. We get a couple of episodes there, but again, we're only having the same people watching those press conferences and the same people there in front of the camera as well. I want to know what, in a, in a general world sense, or at least across America, 
how do people view this agency? Because I, as much as I love Captain America Winter Soldier, and for the longest time it was my favorite movie in the MCU, and it's it's still for me top three, top five uh, of, uh, of all, what, 23, 24 that we're up to now. Um, I kind of wish in a way that they didn't destroy the whole S.H.I.E.L.D. thing so early in the franchise because I feel like we didn't truly respect what it was in the films that we saw so far. We really only had S.H.I.E.L.D. as a thing in like three or four of those movies and it was very much a background agency. You had Coulson, he was from S.H.I.E.L.D. What's S.H.I.E.L.D.? Done, and It's just an agency, don't worry about it. And so by the time we get to know what it truly is, well, they're you know, pulling the rug from under us and, oh, it was all a big, you know, it was a big lie and it was Hydra that were part of it. And, no, oh, we shields and tatters and it's done. And then you've just got the important people from S.H.I.E.L.D. doing their own thing in the movies. You know, Fury's doing his own thing and Maria Hill occasionally is hanging around. You've got Agent, what, 13? Yeah. Captain America's, you know, kind of girlfriend situation. And girlfriend slash yeah, great niece, soon to be. It's all, yeah. it's all weird. Let's 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 have him memory wipe that before he goes back to Peggy. So yeah, you're right. I would I would I would kind of like to know what it would mean because I I I would have liked that to have been a, a a bigger thing for a lot longer, and we don't get that. So I want to know, mm. yeah, what it is in the future now. But anyway, we, you, we we get what it is. And are you aware of Sword? In the Marvel Universe? Yeah, vaguely. Vaguely. Um, and I only to the point, you know, I've, I've seen it, I've read up on it a little bit, and um, then all the speculation around the end of Spider-Man Far From Home, where you see Nick Fury uh, up in some kind of space station with a bunch of Kree that maybe yeah. he is... That's that's like almost the part development or the beginning of Sword that he's he's post Endgame he's left all that shit behind. He's like, man, we gotta we gotta do that whole what Tony Stark wanted to do and build this barrier, this shield around the world, and that's what Sword is. Like that's the speculation again about that. But I, that's all I know. Sword is being Shield, yeah. sort of all about protection, it's, it's... and Sword is very much about the about the assault and taking the fight to people. Maybe. Well, it's it's know. it's the, it's the Marvel Universe's version of Space Force. Essentially is right, okay. <laughs> so um so yeah I'm wondering if yeah they maybe will be you know setting up sword to be to be a thing yeah I wonder whether they would do that actually I mean I guess if you got shield then the show should feel the right to take it toward a sword you know future in their storyline and and have references to it but if the films are doing that um I wonder whether they've been told don't do anything with it or don't do too much with it because, you know, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. is ending. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to wrap up and whether or not come the end of maybe the, the, the time travel story of uh, of Season 7, at least what I know about, maybe they're going to make themselves almost redundant so that it doesn't have any effect on the current and future MCU movies. But, uh, yeah, I wonder whether they're going to go, what limitations they have on being able to... Um, being able to I am and, uh... I am truly in the dark in, for this season and next season of of Shield. This is as far as I got up to. This episode was as far as I got up to sort of last year when we sort of did our first crack at it. This is as far as I got. So I legitimately yeah, have right. not seen a single scene of anything um, post this episode. Excellent, because I know that 
with The Gifted. You know, we were getting towards the end of Season 2, and we started doing these podcasts when we were only a couple of weeks into Season 2 actually um, uh, airing, which is crazy because it was on like well over a year ago. And I knew I was never going to ask you to not watch The Gifted uh, because I can't stop you from watching X-Men content that you're really passionate about. So I I liked it at least with... Feel free to ban me from ever watching Apocalypse or Dark Phoenix. No, mate, and that's, I don't want to take that. I don't want to take that that's away fine. from you. Look, if you I- want to watch Dark Phoenix every week on Disney Plus, I'm not going to stop you. I think I'd rather cancel uh, my subscription. Hello, hello, are you there? Hello, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Just need that beep. Beep, beep, beep. It's like, wow, how did he hang up via a phone te- uh, line on a Skype call? This is really weird. <laughs> yeah, that would actually be funny. You can- Disney Plus are like, Dark Phoenix is here. And you're like, I'm sorry, cancelling my subscription. Cancel like, subscription. What about Clone Wars and Mandalorian? And you're like, not worth it. Sorry, not I might accidentally it. come across Dark Phoenix one day. <laughs> it has popped hey, up in that. my things you might like, and I just have to scroll past it. Hey, I, I still haven't seen it. It was out oh. a year ago in cinemas. I still haven't Mate. seen that. Mate, oh, I'm not saying I'm missing out on anything, but I kind of want closure, and, oh, and that was not. the only X Men. Oh, you're Fox not getting closure. Film. Trust me, you are not getting <laughs> well, any okay, form closure of closure. In, in <laughs> okay, <laughs> wrong choice of words. I, I meant in the sense that uh, of the films, X Men films produced by Fox. Let's take um, New Mutants out of it because that seems to have a future on uh, Disney Plus and it's kind of now a Disney movie because they've put some money into finishing it and they're going to release it. But whatever. Dark Phoenix is being the final Fox, purely uh, X-Men film. I remember still this day where I was uh, when I saw the first X-Men in, what, July of 2000. Um, I remember asking a friend to come. I was in grade nine, right? So we can't drive. And a friend of mine who lived so far away from the cinema, I said, mate, I'm going on Sunday. You knew she'd come. And he goes, oh, and he had, didn't have any pocket money. He's like, I don't have any money. I, I can't buy my ticket. I said, mate, I'll buy you a ticket. Just come to the movie. And he <laughs> Just said so he got someone to watch I'm it like, with. Well, I, that's the thing. I had like my brother and another friend there, but I'm like, no, I told his name was Matthew. Hardly enough, I said, no, I told Matt he, he should come, and because I, I think I convinced him to come. He never said he was coming, but literally every five minutes, I would duck myself out of the cinema, have a look in the foyer in case he decided to show up. He never showed up, but I had that burn in my memory. I remember going to watch the first X-Men movie and every other Fox X-Men film produced from then on, I saw in the cinemas. And Dark Phoenix, I really tried to do it and I just couldn't ever find the time to go. And in the end, I never saw it. And I felt like, oh, I kind of missed out on something because I feel like I would get the most out of that film. As bad as I read the reviews, the most I'm going to get out of that film is probably watching it in a cinema really loud and really big. Because oh, I don't, I don't even think that's... I Disney didn't see it in the cinema either. And I, I don't even think that would help. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I know there's, we've, there's we've not even any great... Um, there's not even any great visual effects, really, to sort of wow at. Yeah right. Yeah, oh, that sucks. so I don't think the big yeah, screen help. I know we've toyed with the idea of like revisiting some movies that we didn't actually cover on a full movie review last year uh, on the podcast. Um, I do want to make that one of them, um, just because I haven't <laughs> just seen be it. Me but, I mean... sobbing in the corner for forty-five minutes. <laughs> Uh, all right, I don't know how we managed to get into into a into a dark phoenix thing because that's a deep dark hole that I didn't mean to drag you into. But yeah, I, I'm just glad though. I guess that yeah, you've you've seen that, you got to watch that and and love that, and you're being so kind as to rewatch it with me. But at Agents of Shield, we get to experience this together. It's kind of yeah. nice. We. I almost think we've never done that before. Everything that we talk about, you've seen or I've seen, never seeing it together as far as TV goes because yeah, you watch it a lot earlier than me. Um, 
I think what I liked about this one was that it just kept moving. There was part of it I really liked for the the parasite, you know, bat situation. Like when they first brought that in, and it's like, look at this guy, he's dead. And I know it had to do with the Coulson, and then the Coulson thing had to do with Deke, and so they were very much tied into one another. But I felt like when they dragged in the body of that bloke and they cut him open, and he's got like this—they called it a parasite, but it's some essentially a bat alien uh, attached to all his organs and changing his DNA, and he's he's a host to this this little alien. Um, I felt like it was a separate story. And it almost felt like season one of Shield, which again took a while to find its footing. But I kind of felt like, oh, this is this is almost what I like or would have liked maybe this show to be. Have the identity that it found at the end of season one, but still be separate enough to the movies where it was kind of like a you know, it was a compliment to the films where it could explore that weird shit that the movies didn't have time for and yeah. even though it wasn't a great episode itself but post Thor the Dark World so like almost episode 6 episode 7 of season 1 of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. they were there cleaning up the mess made by the big battle at the end of Thor and they come across you know something that leads them to a guy who turns out to be Asgardian that has been you know a refugee essentially on earth for like thousands of years or something and that was cool like they were there to clean up the mess we don't need to see that in the MCU you don't need to linger on you know like shield could be now post endgame some kind of like you could have people seeking psychology help and stuff and you could have one of our guys that like there's there's that going on in the world where people are messed up because they were dead for 5 years or they knew someone that was dead for 5 years but for a moment in this episode I found that with the, that bat thing it was like oh this is like something weird in the universe but it's happening on earth and we've got humans dealing with it but then there was yeah again the main story of the season where you've got fake Coulson and his other alien crew trying to hunt down Deke because they're trying to hunt down all people that don't belong here that's all we know so far and I don't know I just felt like the, the way that the show went from one storyline to the other and it never really took its foot off the gas and I, I for me anyway it was interesting enough for both stories to keep up um I don't know keep up the interest as soon as one felt like it was slowing down a bit you go back to the base and they'd be hunting down that back a bat and you're like okay this is getting a bit repetitive bang we get back to Deke being hunted and stuff so I I really like the idea that once it started it just didn't stop. It was it was almost a big chase scene the entire film, but across two different settings and two different storylines. So yeah, I, I don't know. I really liked it. It felt different to any other episode for a long time. I'm glad you said bat because that's what I read as well. Was like when I saw the thing, I'm like, that's a bat. It's some kind of weird alien bat. But then they got onto they called it later on an alien zombie bird, and yeah. I was like, how did you nah. get that far? And it's <laughs> purely that little hint that connected everything together for me. So remember uh, in the first episode when that dude came through the concrete wall and got stuck in it? Yeah. Remember how a big flock of birds flew through that first? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon it's this bat. Okay. Because then remember when we saw, like, the vision? Like, we saw, like, Coulson, like, in the other world or whatever? On the other planet, that they the other planet destroyed or something. that they destroyed or whatever, there was like a big swarm of something or other in the air that they were firing at. Okay, I reckon it's this bat thing. I think this bat thing is going to be the big bat. It's going to be like a parasite-y, like multiplying thing. I'm calling it. Yeah. Okay. So, which I'm disappointed with because 
I don't know why. I don't know why alien bat plus human equals sprouting mushrooms that explode or something. It's very weird. Yeah. See, I didn't know when when Coulson or did he stab the first person? It wasn't the chick. She just come. I love this part, and I'm like, "Are you really Aussie? You're trying to be? I don't know what's going on, but it's kind of hot, kind of annoying. I don't know." <laughs> anyway, um, and Coulson stabs the bloke, and then all of a sudden, yeah, he starts having like weird crystal shit coming out of him, and, and like you said, like mushroom. There's spores. There's one weird shit going on. I assumed at the time that was an effect of the knife and that's what it did to someone when you were stabbed with it, whether it was yeah because the knife looks it was the not just like a normal knife right it looks no so i'm wondering if maybe the knives have to be made out of those crystals that they were like yeah. in the in the jewelry shop for yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah and then okay. it seems Jesus to Christ, be you're remembering so much more than i am and it makes more sense <laughs> Well, because I've seen these few episodes three or four times now, so it's, yeah. Every time you know, I promise you... to do the podcast, you have to rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, going forward, I probably won't have as many insights because I'll only be watching them once. Fingers crossed. But uh, but yeah, and it seems to almost be like the knife had to stay in to keep the bat thing dead because it feels like as yeah. soon as like they pulled the knife out, then the zombie bat bird alien thing was like, yeah, cool, I'm back. So did, did Colson and team not know that then? Because why would they leave the body? You know, they didn't get chased away yeah, from murdering that bloke. The they just left him and then it gets taken out and then it immediately comes back to life and escapes. But yeah. then when it went into um, Old Mate, I still don't know his name. And it's funny because I, I know we sp- this is only episode four and back in reviewing episode one, we spoke about the fact that, okay, here's his new boyfriend of Yo-Yo. Well, hang on. She was with Mac last season. No, they've got a weird thing going on. She's with a new guy. Okay, when do you think he's going to die or be revealed to be some kind of bad guy? <laughs> Those are his only two options. He's not going to stay. They're not just going to break up because where's the where's the drama in that? They have to have something mm. more dramatic than just a lover's tiff happen to break these two up. And I started writing notes about that as I'm watching this episode and then he gets the bat inside him and it's like, oh, he's going to die now in this episode. And I know that they they were touching on the previously on and then throughout the episode about, you know, the, the three-way weird thing between that guy, between Mac, between Yo-Yo and how they all feel about it. But I'm like, okay, they're just laying down some more foundations over the next four to five episodes. We'll build up the tension. Yeah. No, no, he's dead. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was very weird. I feel that was the letdown for me. And there was those, that thing that I've come to expect from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now is those jumps in logic like for the mm. sake of plot like yeah. do you know do you know what would have been perfect to capture that bat when it first escaped in the lab someone who's really really fast <laughs> if only we had someone who's really really fast and could just zip to wherever it is and stab it again the whole thing would have been over in about 8 seconds if can yeah. you if only like there was we'd met some kind of inhuman along the way that was like like Quicksilver. Imagine if they added Quicksilver to Agents of Shield. How good would that no, be? The the character would have to be in the room when it happened. Or oh yeah, it would never of course. Work, if you know? only there was someone with super speed in the room <laughs> in in arm's length of the knife that they know kills it. Yeah, look, I, I wrote that I'm like, she is perfectly primed to stop this thing and I I, I was fully okay. I forgave them when in the next scene they're walking around the halls and she's looking for and she's like, I'll be ready now. It sort of caught me off guard. I'm like, you know, it would. And you didn't know where it was, but I guess if you run, you could probably look for it because it hadn't escaped that room at the start. It was going side to side. It was only right at the end, obviously, when it went through the vent. But side to side, she could probably do a full lap 
And I don't care if you bounce back. If you run out, you bounce back, and then you know where it is, you run out again, you stab it, and it's done. So it did seem a little bit Game over, man. Game over. (laughs) And then when she was in the hunt for it, well, it was nowhere to be seen. So she can't just run around forever and look for it. At one stage, she's going to retract, essentially, um, back to where she started. So I, I, I didn't mind the hunt afterwards, but it just seemed like, okay, well, once this thing first pops up, like surely when it was digging itself into old mate's mouth and she sat there watching it, surely then maybe she can run up and... Just like grab it, it at just... the very least or run into the room, grab the knife, bounce back to where she was, then run and stab it or something. Like it just seemed like he was yeah, overwhelmed. Look, maybe was she was just really mouth. worried that if she ran at it and grabbed it, it might sort of swing around and bite her hand. Those those delicate fleshy hands she's got <laughs> that are like her weakness because, you know, she's just a human or an inhuman <laughs> that doesn't have any kind of protection on her hands for things. <laughs> I'm guessing you like this episode. That's what I'm feeling. Look, so. I, all the all the all the Deke stuff was fun and silly, and Sequoia is MVP. But they just nerfed Yo-Yo. Like of all yeah. the shit Yo-Yo's seen by now, no way would she have stood around like that. But like I said, it's that thing I've come to expect from Shield and and like just those jumps in logic for the sake of the plot. Yeah. So and for anyone who hasn't it. seen it, this is this is a perfect place for um, old mate uh, Ryan George from Pitch Meetings. And it's like, why couldn't Yo-Yo run and get the knife and stab the bat? Because, fair enough. Like, it yeah. just, it's right. Why it, couldn't it... she strangle it with her metal hands and rip it in half? <laughs> fair enough. Like, she's wearing weapons. She doesn't need to go and even get the knife. But right? anyway, yeah. I know, it, and especially because it had so much to do with her. If it was her trying to save another random victim, it'd be one thing. But the fact that it had to do with her boyfriend. its Yeah, it's the dude and, she's banging. Yeah, it'd, it'd, it'd make much more sense um, that she would be able to help. So not to be limited, but yeah. Uh, that sucks. It had look this episode to me. It, it, there were two very quick ones, but I really dug um, the the fight scenes. Like first, you had May versus that annoying Aussie knife woman from Coulson's team, and you know, oh yeah, May always brings it yeah. with those fight scenes. And like she looks like she really like May. It doesn't look. It's not a clean fight. You know, one of these fights you see in movies where people come out and they still look like they've just brushed their hair. Like she always comes out of it immediately sweaty. She's got blood. She's panting like she's she's been in a fight. And it's got nothing to do with how old that Mingna Wen is or anything. Like she's still fit as shit and would kick the ass of anyone twenty years younger than her. But I liked how they make her look like a real hardened, bruised fighter. And she kicked that woman's ass and it ended with a roundhouse kick. And I'm like, oh shit, you just got <laughs> made in the face. And then almost immediately, it was Mac versus the far younger, um, bearded, um, handsome looking uh, uh, alien oh, tiny. guy. Tiny. Tiny, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, that's just what his- I call him. It whooped his ass. Like, he was laying into him just these, like, mallets for hands, just kicking the <laughs> snot out of this bloke. And I'm like, you know what? That's what I miss. You know, Mac, in the framework, Zeke had to pass over the the, 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 the gun, you know, the the, gu- the shotgun axe situation to that other shield guy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I miss when Mac used to, you know, use that. That was his thing. But, yeah, it was a mix. I, I like the pace of it. I like the constant, just frenetic sort of, I don't know, nature between the two different storylines, the two fights scenes are great but yeah there's just little bits like like that with yo-yo where it was like why i feel like yeah you could wrap up that storyline quicker if you used uh yo-yo 
I liked how they used it for the most part, but in the end where it's like, oh, they didn't save him. It's like, I thought you were building to a unique way that they were going to save him or how she was going to finally come through. Not that just she didn't do anything at the start and then at the end, oh, she didn't get to do anything. She couldn't do anything and they failed. Like It just seemed like such a waste. And I feel sorry for the actress because the whole time she's just got to sit there and look really upset and concerned. Yeah, she's just like doing that who farted face. Like Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so anyway, I don't know where they go from here. I, I want to know what kind of role, uh, Deke plays now. I mean, he doesn't just go and jump back into a team because, but uh, why bring him back just for this? You know, I, I like the idea that, you know, Coulson's team are tracking, I don't know why, but they're tracking down people that don't belong here. And it would make sense if those bats got through, you know, what if they are good guys in the end? What if they're really good guys and yeah, they're destroying that, that world, destroying that race? Yeah, for a good reason. And then those, as they came to Earth, for whatever reason, those bat creatures come through, you know, the portal, the wormhole, and through the bricks. And like, well, we've got to go stop those things. They're taking over other people. Why he looks like Coulson, who knows? We'll find that out later. But then Deke, the idea, it's like, well, he's not from here. It's not the same marker as, like, the bat thing, but it still says he's not from here. Yeah, enough for their their technology to put a red flag in there. Yeah, yeah. So, um... Yeah, uh, it's it's probably my favorite episode in a, in, a, in a couple, just over in itself, a self-contained little episode. It, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily make all the sense when you when you run it through the filter of being connected to all the other ones. But um, yeah, I I, I like this. I felt I felt good about it because usually I come into these podcasts going, okay, well, Gifted was better. Uh, let's see if we can salvage um, as much stuff as we can from <laughs> Shield. Not that it's a bad show, not that I don't like it, but I, I feel like for the last couple of seasons, it's been like, okay, well, it's a little bit of a drag but is how we sort of seem to start yeah. a lot of our chats so i actually Look, it's, yeah, it's, really it's, like Code it's Yellow. cw-esque but it's still better than than anything the cw's put out in the last five years i mean i want to say whoa 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 but it's I'm, i always want to say don't compare it to the cw but i still watch the cw but at the same time yeah. i know how you feel about the cw and i don't want you to say that so <laughs> look i'm gonna get something that, i'm gonna get onto something that you feel a little bit better about let's talk about gifted and see you compare that to the cw Matched episode four of season two of The Gifted. Uh, look, here we are back, you know. Holy shit. Yeah, man. Like, um, as fun and frothy as Code Yellow was, holy shit, did this episode go into some dark territory. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> straight off straight off the bat, it's like, oh, yeah, so remember just before Andy was born? Yeah, we should just terminate him. Mm. What? What? <laughs> she Holy was going to die. Shit. So she was gonna. They were gonna have to terminate the child, and it's like, oh, okay, that's right. We always have these really dark and depressing prologues to episodes, and somehow this is gonna come back. And I don't think it's gonna be for a happy reason. Yeah, like I, me as me as the non-parent, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You can make another kid. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Just you know, start from scratch. But obviously, you as a parent would probably have a slightly different you know take on that yeah. and be like. Oh. Um, once you're emotionally attached to that little bump in there, um, even before you've seen its face, yeah, you probably want to do whatever you can to save it. Oh, even it, It's a whole other, I think, argument for me, and, I, and I'm sure it would be seen as wrong by so many people. Either of the arguments. For me, like, we... We 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 had three boys as you know, but we only found out what uh, what the third bub was. Um, you know, at, at sixteen or twenty weeks or whatever. The first two, I never wanted to find out about any of them, but especially when I think you're faced with a with a with a, a potential like serious 
case like they had. It's like she's going to get violently ill and probably die unless you terminate this child and you've already got another child to think about and she's still young and, and, and she can have other children. And she was like, no, 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 I'm a mother. I'm going to fight for my child. And, you know, I'm not in that case like, well, a baby's not a baby until it's born or anything like that. But for me, like, it almost scares me to know the sex of the child before it's born because you get those people that, you know, you've seen horrible cases where they find out what a baby is at, you know, 13 weeks so early because they can't, they can't wait. They need to know what their baby is, which is great. And then they have a name picked out, first name, middle name. You know what this baby is. You know when it's going to be born. And it's almost like the baby is already there with you. You know, you almost got an idea of what it's going to look like. You might have a daughter but then you're going to have a son and you know what the daughter looks like. So what's a little boy going to look like? And you know the boy's name. And then unfortunately, like this might happen and, and you lose a baby. And it's like, man, that that was a real little person with a name and almost a face and stuff. And that almost scares me. So the idea that, yeah, to be faced like that, I almost don't know how to react to that because I've never really, I've yeah. definitely not been in that position. But for me, like, yeah, until our third bub um, where we did find out, but we didn't, we didn't have a proper name until like just before he was born. So it was like, we're going to have a boy, we got a baby boy, but it was very much like a blank slate. And I don't know, it's some really warped way for me to look at it. Just, so I guess, save myself some kind of like emotional, um, deep, dark feelings about it. I don't even know why I'm talking about this in a Marvel yeah. TV podcast, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It does. It does bring up. Well, what I love like when that. they're like, oh, okay. So that wasn't dark enough for Caitlin for this episode. So we're going to reinforce that by making her inject a drunk uh, junkie to get him clean so that she can re-inject him with drugs to bribe him to do what she wants him to do. Yeah. Holy yeah, that was fuck. pretty... Yeah, and she was really good to watch. I don't think I liked it. I didn't really buy into the end where the husband... I still always struggle to think of his first name. Mr. Strucker. Um, Reed. Where Reed. He, 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 yeah, Reed pulls her aside and says, I don't even know who you are anymore. And I'm, and she's like, I'm a mother. I'm trying to save my kids. He's like, no, 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 we don't do that sort of stuff. I'm like, oh, do, really? Like, are we here to just have you guys have an argument and, and disagree about your, 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 your logic and your ethics and all that sort of stuff? Really? Because I loved what she did. I, I felt like that was such a natural thing. She's like, I've been looking for my kid and shit seems to be getting worse. Now he's out there doing even worse stuff with really bad people. This person can get me there. And well, he's a piece of shit already. Like he seems like he's a criminal. He tried to kill us when we arrived or kill you guys when you went to get him. And, you know, he's a junkie. He doesn't care about himself and other people. He just wants to blah, 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 blah. She had all these reasons in her own head why she was allowed to do what she did. She could justify yeah. everything. And so I. Reed is, Reed is a massive wet blanket. Yeah, I feel like he was at the end. Throughout the rest of the episode, it didn't bother me so much. I know it was more about her. Their joint storyline was more about her, but I feel like that was a real wet blanket moment at the end. I'm like, oh, you just got that there because we need to, we need that kind of closure for this episode so that we can we can build on that for episode five and on. I'm like, I don't feel like he necessarily would feel that way. A bit. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've been reading him wrong the whole time. Maybe he feels differently, literally, in the last episode, the last couple of episodes, because of his newfound powers. Maybe he feels differently about abusing someone. I, I did love, though, um, the scene where it's like um, Carlos, Johnny, and Clarice like going to see who originally was going to be Wire and then turned out to be like his brother, the junkie. Yeah. Just that, just that scene of them walking down the street. I don't know why, but I fucking love that. Yeah. <laughs> like just the chemistry that they've got, just the snarky back and forth, you know. I'm like all that's missing it just made me realize how much I miss Lorna. I'm like Lorna needs to be there. She needs to yeah. be part of that part of that little group. 
Yeah, and it made me think, because that was pretty early on in the episode, and obviously we are talking about this show where we've got, after this, what, another eight episodes to talk about? I mean, it's already well and truly wrapped up production-wise, and the whole thing premiered like over a year ago, the season finale, but... I think like, we've got more. I think there's... Isn't there 16 this season? Oh, I maybe think? 16. Slightly there you go. More, Hopefully, yeah. that'd be nice. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, 16. I, I, know I, we're, I know we've got an end that we're talking about, but... At the same time, I'm watching this going, oh, these people don't know. Like, they're four episodes in, and I'm watching that scene that you're talking about. Them on the street, in the daylight, just hanging out like a bunch of people. They're going to do a mission, but they're still joking around and and disagreeing with each other and, and being normal people. And I'm watching these people act this, and they're building these characters and building this story, and I'm like, oh, man, I've, you guys are just getting started, and this show ends right. in 10 episodes or whatever. Like, you're just getting started. How did it end now? Like, it just seemed like such a... Not a missed opportunity. Like they took it, they jumped at it, and unfortunately, it wasn't like they even got cancelled. Like the studio got purchased by somebody else, so certain shit has to has to happen and pave the yeah. way. But it just it was just collateral damage, you know. It wasn't I can't even seem to show. get it on DVD because of this damn merger. They don't even seem to have released oh it on DVD. God. It's I think you can get it on DVD in the states, but it hasn't been released on um on Region Four yet. Right. So it oh, sucks. Yeah. No, because it it just. I think the other scene that really made me think not so much about it in on 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 that angle, but and it's gonna I'm gonna look I'm gonna use your trigger word and say Agent Turder, um, but in his oh, storyline, we'll, oh, <laughs> but continue, when he continue. went when he went and met the cop in the diner and the cop, what did, he didn't reveal himself. Like Turner actually said, "Hang on a second, you're from the Purifiers, aren't you?" And even then, like he for him, like he wants to take down mutants. He wants to punish mutants, but even he's not willing to become a purifier. He's like, "You guys are evil bastards. You're wearing your hoods and stuff, and you're out there, and you it's you're out there as if you know." I guess for him, he's like, "I'm I'm a badge." This guy was a cop, sure, yeah, but he was at, he's a purifier at home after hours, whereas Turner is an agent when he's going after the mutants. That's his job as an agent. So everything he did was. Not so much by the book, but it was for the book, essentially. It was for the job. So he's looking at these guys going, you guys, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, and you're doing it, you're you're crossing lines that I would never cross, even if he doesn't mean that. So he's judging them, but I I don't know. I just found myself looking, and obviously it's X-Men, and the reason X-Men was ever created was to be an allegory for whatever. And depending on what decade you're reading or watching X-Men, it's an allegory for a different group of people or a different a different hot topic around the world and i think at the moment yeah any any marginalized group yes i think at the moment like i know again this episode is like a year and a half old all it made me think was holy shit i would love to see what this show could reflect based on what's going on around the world right now oh man and i don't because i mean slight not that what's going on around the world anymore is any different that's ever gone on around the world but it's something that people have taken, put a, on a, a magnifying glass over it, and are making a lot of noise about going, this is shit, this needs to stop. And you got the other people that don't agree with it, and I don't know how you don't agree with violence against people, you're coming up with weird arguments, whatever, it doesn't matter. Whether you agree with it or not, this is what the X-Men does. This is what these stories do, whether they're TV or films or comics or books or whatever. This is what the X-Men is about, is what's going on in the world right now. And the fact that what they're doing with the purifiers in this show and the, and, and the topics that they're coming up with in this show, that was going on two years ago, three years ago. And now this is so much bigger. No, not bigger. It's louder at the moment. It's It's much more in our face. And that's saying something, considering what's going on in the States right now. 
is making more noise, arguably, than what coronavirus is, which is literally the planet. <laughs> this shit's real. I mean, it's it started off in the states. Obviously, it's making an impact here and and over in the UK and a lot of other countries are stepping up, going, yeah, we want to make some noise about the same about the same topics right here, right now as well. But it's really it was uh, it's bigger and louder. It seemingly in America, I would love to know what this show would sit back, you know, the writers and go, hey, we can really use this with a mutant spin. Let's go for season five or something. I guess they would have had that would be writing if uh, if they're looking at doing it now. So yeah, it maybe it maybe a show that while I'm watching hasn't ended yet. It's really weird. Yeah. So slight spoiler alert. It's not going to ruin anything for you, but it's it's next week's episode. The opening flashback is Agent Agent Turner as a rookie cop, and he and another police officer go and harass a mutant kid standing outside of a quickie mart drinking a Slurpee because he's a mutant. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> it is... This massive rant for no reason. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, like you, oh, did, you wow. did... They didn't even need a season three to get on it. Like, I could not believe it because I rewatched episode three last night. Yeah. Oh, sorry, episode, episode five last night. And I was like, holy shit. Mm. Holy shit. Could that not be more poignant right now? Yeah. Yeah, it's but, weird like that, isn't it? When you watch like an old show, especially like you know, oh, there, there's some shit that's going on in my life that's not even that big. But then I'll go and watch, you know, a show from ten years ago. You know, my wife and I might have an argument about something in our personal lives. Not even a big argument. It's like, oh, that's a that's a touchy subject. And then we'll watch something, and I'm like, oh my god, it couldn't be screaming it in my face anymore. And it must, it, it's an awkward watch, isn't it? So like the idea that this shit's on the news, it's on the radio, it's in the paper, it's on social media, and then you just like, oh, I'm gonna watch essentially a comic book TV show. Oh, oh, this is kicking me right in the face with it. Wow. And just before we get off, Turner. What a piece of shit. What an absolute piece of grotty, disgusting, subhuman piece of shit he is. <laughs> oh my god. The freaking text messages to his wife being like, Really? The silent treatment? Like trying to guilt her that way into replying? Fuck you, buddy. And then, <laughs> and then, the thing that just, I wanted to reach through the TV and strangle yeah. him was he then pulls out the laptop and looks up marriage counselling. <laughs> yeah, How yeah. very dare you, mate. There's nothing wrong with the marriage. She's fine. You're the fucked up one. Go and get some counselling yourself. Your wife don't need to be there, mate. <laughs> oh. No, I, I I felt the same way, and it angered me because I mean I know you're angry at a character, so the character doesn't exist in real life. So you're not, no, exactly. you're not angry at the actor or anything like that. You're angry. No, at the character, I think he's phenomenal therefore... in that he makes me hate him so well. Like he does yeah. such a good job of me hating his character. That is a sign of a yeah. phenomenal actor. Yeah, and I think I I know being angry at a character is therefore being angry at the writers, which is strange because we're praising. 75% of this episode, or even 75% of the show, if Turner's role is 25%. So it's like, well, hang on, you write everything else seemingly really well. We're really happy with the way that, you know, you inject characters and you play off their emotions against one another and how each one reacts and, uh, you know, what what makes them tick and, you know, how we can work that person's storyline into somebody else's and, and reflect in a comic book world what's going on in our real world. But then, yeah, it cuts to him and he's like looking, you're looking at old text messages like, babe, I'm sorry. Oh, babe, whatever. And then he, okay, he didn't send it, but like you said, he wrote no. 
oh yeah. really the silent treatment I'm like oh my god you would never write that and thankfully he took it away but then yeah when it was so painfully obvious that they even as a director shows that screen marriage counseling into Google and I'm like this is icky to watch like it just this this maybe that's the CW moment that you were talking about or that I teased out that I didn't actually <laughs> really think was a real thing that okay if we're gonna just completely put them in okay CW bad uh, gifted good that was a very CW Arrowverse moment marriage counselling into Google while a really sad love song was playing or something in the background you know right before he gets that call from the purifier guy or whatever like it just seemed like a really yeah icky moment for that to, uh, why do we need to see that like I, I well, well for me it was just hitting over the head like that he's so oblivious to his own fuck ups like I actually yeah. I really enjoyed it um, not not being a married man and not having to look up marriage counselling when I'm upset about things is you know. Um, oh, I'm not, I'm not what I love is is right. the fact that he goes to the you know the place to meet the the cop guy, and he thinks he's above the purifiers. He thinks he's better than they are, and yeah. I'm like, mate, you are exactly the same as them. It's just that the government gave you a badge. Yeah, yeah. That yep. is the only difference. You got fired, mate. You can't let go of your hatred for the for the mutants because some other mutant somewhere was responsible for the death of your child, which I get it. He's mourning, but you can see how his wife is processing that that grief and mm. she's working through it and she's like, I need you know, we need to get you know back, you know, and we need to start living our lives again. He can't get there, so he's blaming other mutants for it, and then has the gall to think that he's better than this hate group. And I'm like, mate, you are a hate group. You're a one man hate group. No, you're right. Actually. Yeah. So he's just so, just so completely unaware that he's a piece of shit. And that's what's so frustrating. (laughs) It's like, you know, if he was like other villains, you see in the X-Men universe, like they know that they're bigots and that they're, you know, racists or whatever they are. But it's like, he doesn't even see what a piece of shit he is. He's projecting. It's like, oh, his wife won't get back to him. It's not his fault. They need marriage counselling. He's not taking yeah. responsibility for anything that's going on in his life. But mm. every single thing that is going on, he is responsible for. You know, he, yeah. he, he doesn't take responsibility for his own actions. And that's one of the things I hate about him. So, yeah, it's... it's I love. Uh, he's one of those. He's, he, I love to hate him. I love to hate him because for me they just. I don't. And the fact that you know he's talking about a hate group. He's talking to this cop about, oh, you guys are a hate group. Blah blah blah. As a black man, as a mm. black man sitting there who would have experienced racism in his life, and no spoilers for next week. But there is you know another black character that talks about having experienced racism and all that kind of stuff like so racism racism exists in this world it's not like you only hate on mutants and everyone of, of different color gets along mm-hmm. but the fact that agent turner is just so like just oblivious to to his own sort of actions and that he's just a piece of shit mm. It's funny too. I know we spoke about in uh, the end of season one where there was a scene where the guys, the Struckers, were hiding out with, I want to say, Reed's brother, maybe, or Reed's brother's family. And someone found out they were there and a whole, like, you know, truck full, you know, you know an old redneck. Youth yeah, pulls yeah, up that's right. I think it might have been, I think it might have been Caitlin's brother. Yeah, Caitlin's brother. Okay, you're right. And, and so all the, um, 
uh, all the humans in there, like they they were all mixed race. There was there's a lot of different people. There was a couple of white guys, and there was a black guy. And it was like, hang on, in any other story, if we were setting this story 60, 70, 80 years ago or something, you know, that might be a bunch of white guys and they're dragging a black guy out of a, a you know, like when we see in these awful movies about awful racism and then you have this black guy there and it's like, not that you go, oh, hang on, you've experienced that so you can't do that to anyone else, but it's kind of like that at the same time. It should be a rule for it. No one should do those bad things, but no one should do it, especially if they've had stuff, bad stuff um, done to them. So like you said, racism does exist in this world, but it's nice in a way that there is something, while it still does exist, that something big enough has unified humans as one. You know, in this yeah. world, you do have people of all countries, uh, of all races, of all colors that have quite clearly agreed. You know what? We're all human. We're all human. We're all in this together. It's the mutants. It's the non-humans that we that we hate, that are dangerous, that we're scared of, that we should get rid of. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You shouldn't do that. Stick with the first bit. That's what the, I mean, the real world should do that. It's like, we're all the same. And I know a lot of people are, but a lot of people aren't, and they hide behind other things, and a lot of people aren't and don't hide. They're just like, flat out, I don't like anyone that doesn't look like me. But, like, yeah, why, why, I don't know. It's like such, it seems like such an easy fix where it's like, well, we can all band together to hate something. In every movie where, you know, Independence Days, where, you know, aliens come down to, to, to kill us all, we band together pretty quick to stand up as one race, as one species, uh, yeah. to, to fight off them. But then you take that away and it's like, ah, now to hell with you. You know, and that's what I kind of like in the sense <laughs> that, that the MCU has done that where at the end of the Avengers, you know, they all... Not that Earth came together, but there was there was an event where it was quite clear to the rest of the world, we are not alone in the universe. Aliens exist, and they are stronger than us, and they will come for us, and we need to band together to fight. But then you've still got, in the subsequent movies, oh, there's little terrorist groups out here, and they're trying to get weapons so that they can, you know, bomb other countries or bomb other groups. And there's a guy, st- you know, kidnapping the American president and all this other stuff. It's like, no, no, no. We've still got our own little tussles going on in this world. It's like, how, how, when something's so big and so unifying? And a lot of people hoped about that with coronavirus as well. They're like, you know what? This might bring us all together. That we are all the same. We're all getting sick the same way. We're all losing people the same way. Why can't we bandy together and go, you know what? We need to stand together. Enough of this shit, enough of these petty shit where we fight each other over over religion over, or over resources. Like, why can't we just be together, be as one, be separate, you know, respect our respective backgrounds and our histories and our races and all that other stuff, our cultures. But we're all one people. Why can't we all celebrate each other and be one and, and try and help each other? It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, you make, you know, yuck. You're yuck. I'm good. My people are good. Your people are bad. <laughs> and whether that's a country thing yeah. or a color thing or a sex thing or a gender thing, it's just like, it's just so infuriating because people are so, they're so contradictory in that belief i think you got you know you would have someone that would hate someone based on their color but would hate people that are that hates yeah hate someone based on their they, they might hate someone based on their color but you would never allow someone to do that based on any other type of you know however they live it just doesn't make any 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 sense to me that people yeah uh, that's a problem with 2020 we're sitting here going hey it's 2020 you should be better than this and somehow we're not and that's what these shows show us you'd have you'd have racists sitting here watching x-men going Oh my God! Why would you hate the X Men? They're a little different, but what's the difference? Meme, I'll turn the TV off and go out there and you know, like throw racial slurs at black people or Asians or something. Like it just, yeah. it just doesn't make sense to me. 
Yeah, and that's, and that's what I love is it turns a mirror onto yourself and you kind of, yeah. you know, and that's good sci-fi does that as well. Because I've often thought, like, you know, um, obviously with Civil War with the, the registering of, of superpower people, in the comics that started out as registering mutants, which was also a plot point in the first X-Men movie about mutants being registered. It was a big plot point in the first season of the, of the cartoon as well. And obviously I sit there and watch that and I go, well, that's ridiculous. Like, no mutants shouldn't need to register. And then I think about it, it's like, if that actually happened in the real world and, like, there were people who were just born with the ability to, like, throw fire from their hands, yeah, <laughs> would me as a person be like, oh, maybe they should be registered just to be on the safe side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's <laughs> exactly, such a exactly. weird... And then I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. What did I... You know? Yeah. Like, it's... it's Yeah, it's super weird. So I love... I love, And I love that kind of stuff that makes you really think and, and question your own beliefs. And I've always loved that one line from X-Men, and I'm sure it's from a bunch of other things and probably a bunch of other X-Men comics before it anyway, but that line in the X-Men where they're like, you know, humans fear us and they fear what they don't understand. Or humans don't understand us and they fear what they don't understand. And it's like, it is. It's such a simple thing, you know? Like one shark attack happens. It's like a shark is eating some food. It sees food, it's hungry, it's going to eat the food. It's like all of a sudden, we're going to kill sharks. We're going to kill all the sharks. We're scared of sharks. We're going to kill all the sharks, you know? Or like one person does one thing, you know, whether it's, a terrorist attack. It's like, where's that person from? That whole country's bad, or that whole religion is bad. It's like, no, no, no. There's plenty of people that are from your country, or that are from your religion, or that are your color that have done as worse or worse things, or just bad things in general. And you don't generalize them. Why generalize someone that's different than you? But you're right. In a real world situation, like who know? There was a guy that could teleport into this room right now. He'd scare the shit out of me, and I might want yeah. him to have some kind of restrictions on him. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm being here. I am. I'm contradicting myself, like I said. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. It's fast. It's a fascinating sort of examination of your own, your own sort of self and sort of how you how you look at things. So that's that's what I love about it. Can I talk about um, the moment that literally this had made me go? Uh, if you do that, yes. <laughs> it was when they taught when they were going through the mental hospital. And they said Lorna's birth father locked her up in a place like this. Oh, oh yeah, shit, mate. I rewound that. I put the captions on. I rewrote it in my head. <laughs> I didn't get it wrong. I was very excited. So, okay, they said she might have been in hospital for good, but someone made a call. Word is it was her birth father. And I'm like, I don't even understand what any of that meant, but they just talked about Magneto. Yeah, they are. And even, I like how the score, like, clearly this show is never going to touch Magneto with a with a 10-foot pole. Like, it it's probably oh, wasn't allowed to, but they were never going to do it anyway because it's it's too big. It's too big of a character. Can't have him. Can't have Professor X. You can't have Wolverine. Nothing like that. You can't do any of that. Just talk about, oh, the X-Men, they wanted us to be in charge. Who are you? Doesn't matter. They... As if the X-Men ever knew who these people were. If this is set in the movies, mm. like these guys would have never... Doesn't doesn't matter. We just need little nuggets here to get us excited as fans. But, yeah, the idea that it's like, oh, you just got to name drop him and, and the score changes, you know, like just a little bit. There's a little bit of music yeah. in that scene and they go, word is it was their father. And you're like, yeah, if you I, get it, you I get it. I would have loved a little bit of theme from um, X-Men or even just a little bit of... <laughs> you know, on that actually, like I think I just found myself singing that the other week or something. But no, I was actually listening to the um, Spider-Man, like Homecoming and Far From Home um, soundtrack. Like my kids love it because they love Spider-Man. They love the Spider-Man game. They love that music. And then they got introduced somehow to the Far From Home score. Somehow. And the idea that, I know it's a Sony thing, but the Sony Marvel 
movies have went, you know what, let's make a definitive Spider-Man. Whether or not you like the movies or stories or whatever they've done with the characters or whatever, they've just said, okay, well, we're going to make a more definitive. So we're going to give him the score. We're going to give him the classic Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Dun, 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 dun. They've incorporated that into the score. And I'm like, could Marvel, now that they have X-Men, would they dare? Do they dare bring in a great composer or someone they've already used before or an unknown and go, you know what? We want... Bring that in. Bring something of it in. We want you to incorporate that score into the modern way. Take the 90s, bring it into a modern live-action franchise. Let's make a definitive X-Men story, and that's going to be the definitive X-Men score. Like the, the, the Mitchell, films full, full disclosure, a- <laughs> you just describing that just made my balls tingle. Like... <laughs> I hadn't even considered them bringing that that theme that score into the MCU when the mutants arrive. Oh really? No, that, I have. No, I have a would, lot. Um, yeah, I would. I would need a change of pants. <laughs> and you know what? Because what? I don't, I don't want to trigger you. I don't want to trigger you. Okay. So I'll, mm. I'll I'll tease you that it's it's involving Joss Whedon. Okay. So he's there. Okay. Yeah. So just calm your brakes. But with um, <laughs> when they made um or you know made when they f- finished. Um, the theatrical cut, as we're going to call it now, because it's going to be two, but the theatrical cut of Justice League. And they got rid of Junkie XL and whoever else was doing the score, and they brought in Danny Elfman. You know, Joss Whedon brought in Danny Elfman. And I love, I actually do love and respect Danny Elfman's comments because they said, oh, you're going you're gonna to bring your Batman theme into it. You're going to bring your Batman score. He goes, no, no, there's only one score for Batman. And it was his for Batman and Batman Returns. Uh, and I, I love that he created that. The first proper true live action, you know, Batman. I know we had the 60s one, but the first 1989 Batman film Cinematic. with Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, bang! That score, which is so iconic, that Danny Elfman, the guy who created it, as if he's going to say any different, has went, no, that's the score for that character. And like, I, I, again, I don't want to trigger you, but I, I do genuinely <laughs> love the score overall. Even though he didn't ever really have a proper theme, like a real tune, the overall score of the Christopher Nolan Batman films, I love the score and I love the the character's score from those films. And they didn't really get a chance because they never had a Batman film in the, the DCEU so far. But like even in Batman v Superman, which again, I've only seen like, I think I've seen it twice. I don't remember the score that they had for the character, but I don't know whether they ever really allowed him to have his own score, the Batfleck um, version. But they were like, you know what? We're going to bring back the Danny Elfman one a little bit in Justice League. And it was even more subtle. But when Superman finally returns at the end of that film and all of his red and blue uh, hope and justice and truth and all that sort of shit way at the very end, they brought in John Williams' Superman score. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And again, I more so than I think that I love the, the Christopher Nolan Batman score, I love even more Hans Zimmer's Man of Steel score. Like Flight, to me, the, the, the actual track Flight, from where the scene where he first flies and gets his suit from Man of Steel is one of my favorite pieces of music ever. Like, I fucking Ooh. love that. I listen to it in the car, full ball when I'm doing 80 or if I'm driving on a highway. Like, it feels right when you're going fast like that to listen. I just, I love it. It's beautiful. It's, it's uplifting and all that, but it's exciting, all that sort of shit. I love that. But I also love the idea that, well, maybe that, maybe that character's only got one theme. I love James Bond, as you know. 
James Bond has had the same theme. It's mm. a different score. It's a different tune, a different everything along the way. Different composers have come along. They've changed the pitch and the speed and all that. But the tune has remained the same since 1962. That is that character's score. That's yeah, what well, he sounds like. James Bond, Sean Connery in the 60s, sounds exactly the same as Daniel Craig, well, what we're going to see in 2020. It sounds exactly the same. And I'm like, why can't yeah. they do I that? I think they've done that with um, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman theme. I think that is the new iconic theme for Wonder Woman. To me, that that music... And they did that. They brought that back at the end of um, Batman v Superman, you know, and then, and then did it in... Um, uh, in her film and all that kind of stuff, like that's her theme, and I love that. That's the little, the little sort of touchstone all the way through. I love that. Yeah. So the idea again, not to tickle your balls, <coughs> but um, <laughs> well, mate, uh, yeah, it. the idea that maybe Feige will say that to whoever comes in to compose. Whenever we do get an X Men, we five or six years away before we even get a character in there, but it says. Bruce bring in the if even if they hint oh we've got to go see um there's a there's a professor who lives in uh, the out, outskirts of New York and we've got to go see him about something like just you know just a little oh, thing God. that's there just to tickle the balls of all the fanboys out there in the audience like why can't we do that again we're so off topic from the gifted oh, mate, but I'm, god I'm, damn it I want... I'm I'm turgid now I'm 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 slightly turgid after that that's That'd, that'd do me. That would do me to a T. Um, well, to bring it back to the episode, you know how you were saying, um, uh, obviously, we're never, ever, ever, ever going to see Magneto in, in Gifted. Well, in the, in who do you, who did we liberate at the yeah, end? Yeah, I know, man. Who oh, do you think is, is like, the, in the back of that? They look, they look for sure they were going to show us. Well, in a, in a pre-Logan world, my head goes straight to, that's, X, that's X-23. That's that's X twenty three under there. That's the, I mean, it's another Laura, which is going to get confusing, because um, we've got Lauren, Lorna, and now we'd have a Laura. So I know it's not going to be her. But I was just wondering if you had any yeah spec- speculation on uh, on who might be under there. Absolutely no idea. No idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> but they gave us so much of a tease that I'm like, please answer it next week. Like, don't, 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 don't. Don't have it as an unanswered question, like for an entire episode where they don't even reference it, and then you know, oh, it's we're saving it for episode six. Don't do that. Tell me next week. Tell me the first five yeah, minutes. That, and like, just the way they just like you saw Chin, like you oh. got, we even got Chin, and then cut to black, and I'm like, are you joking? Again, we're, joking I'm going for the three peat of of giving you triggers, but that was like the end of of Inception, um, with the with the top, like is it's just about to tip, bang, cut to black. It's like. Whether you think it stayed upright or it was slowly going side to side, you're both right because neither happened. Yeah. But both kind of happened, and it's ambiguous. Go, go on. So we almost saw that face. It was so unfair <laughs> that they did that to yeah. us. But like, my ah. Christ, I'm gonna go back and watch episode five. How good was um, Johnny with his Bowie knife and Tomahawk though? Oh mate, like that please. was what a set of weapons for that bloke. Like a giant knife and a Tomahawk. And I'm like, mate, pick one and you'd be dangerous. But both on top of you almost being like bulletproof and. Shit. Shit. Um. Yeah. Uh. Your 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 yeah. death in, in, incarnate, and obviously ties into his little brother, who you see in Days of Future Past, Warpath, who has the twin set, the twin set of the Bowie knives that are actually adamantium in the um or the adamantium or vibranium. I forget. I think it might be adamantium. He has a pair of them in Days of Future Past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I like that because at one point too, because in the in the comics. Johnny, who is Thunderbird, uh, when he joins the X-Men, he dies. 
he dies very early on, which is what people are saying is going to happen in when they're introduced to the into the MCU. They're going to mm. have a Johnny who's going to die very, very early on. His younger brother actually takes up the mantle of Thunderbird for a That's while. That's right. I remember you saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And has his Bowie knives before he becomes Warpath. Oh, that's so cool. yeah, that was a that was a great little bit of connectivity for me, and obviously it harkens to his heritage as well, which I thought was brilliant as well. Just bringing a little bit of that in there, a little bit of flavour, because it, it makes sense for him to have that have that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that's where you can tell that some real fans are are in charge of this show when they just have little moments like that that really mean nothing to the average viewer like me. I just like, oh, he's got a tomahawk and a blade. That's cool. Whereas you know the history behind that and the future of that. So that's um. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, that is episode 12 of Marvel TV, uh, episodes four of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and The Gifted of, uh, well, the seasons we're talking about at least. Obviously, more S.H.I.E.L.D. happening around the world at the moment. We'll slowly get there. Sadly, no more Gifted, but uh, we will get more X-Men in the future. Uh, hopefully, a little less than Dark Phoenix and uh, a little more, uh, I don't know, X-Men 2? <laughs> What's the right one to say for you? Many Days of Future Past. More Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past. Less, yeah, less Dark past. Phoenix. Uh, or more Gifted types on TV as well. We're happy to take that. So we'll see how we go. But we'll be back in our next podcast to talk more Marvel TV, uh, each of the shows, Episode 5. Until then, you can uh, catch up on all of our all the podcasts where we talk about other stuff along the way. Get into Geek uh, on, your, uh, on SoundCloud and uh, iTunes. Uh, follow us on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Drop us a line. Get into Geek at gmail.com. Myself, I'm Mitch underscore Lewis on Twitter and Instagram. Where are you at, Matt? I'm at High Pitch Matty. I've never called you Matt. I don't know why this is weird. I'm always like Matty or Matthew, <laughs> high pitch Matt. It just seems like it's like, hi, Matt. Who, who's Matt? Who Someone goes, what's your friend Matt doing? And I'm like, who the freaking hell is Matt? Oh, you know, Matty. Funny, oh, I Matty. On, oh. I think on all my social medias I have Matt, but yeah, I don't think anyone you're actually right. calls no, you're me right, Matt. Actually. It's when always you, Matty. It's you always messaged Matty. me this morning on Messenger going, what time are we recording? Matt Gibson. I'm like, ha ha, Matt, Matt Gibson, sick. You say Matt now, and I'm like, who the fuck is Matt? That's it's weird. That's a whole other thing. I'm I'm strange. Yeah. I don't know my people. I, no, I've, I I had an old friend who she had Nikki as everything N I K I, and I never once my entire friendship with her called her Nikki. She was always Nicole. We will be back here next week talking more Agents of Shield and Gifted on Marvel TV. Maddie, thank you very much. We'll catch you next uh, podcast, buddy. Thank you, Mitchell. Thank you. Oh, no, thank thank you. Thank we could do you. this all day. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> into geek. <laughs>